Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Now, this is exciting. Yes, we are living in a prison planet where there's a mass psychosis. Uh, however, think of this. Thousands of generations of your families have brought you to this point where your immune system has been exposed to <clears throat> all sorts of pathogens. Like if you're Northern European, your relatives survived the Black Plague. How cool is that? So we're going to go over viruses. Um, what's your risk of disease? Are, should you be afraid of it? Now, we're going to do two different theories, the terrain theory and the germ theory. Now, this is huge. And for those of you that like good reading, I totally recommend Susan Humphrey's book, uh, Dissolving Illusions. This will blow your mind, particularly when you're talking about viruses and vaccines. Now, uh, in Germany, okay, and this is yesterday, massive demonstrations. You're talking um, tens of thousands of people, and they were chanting, masks make us slaves. And you can see thousands of people there in the street without a mask. Uh, so what does that have to do? For Well, first, we are in the midst of, of a crisis. Now, the crisis is huge. Is the crisis from a virus, or is it from the response of the government? Now, we're talking months ago, and this is going back to January. A couple of our YouTube videos that were wiped out, I said, look, I'm not afraid of a virus because I know how viruses work. I am afraid of the government response to the virus. And, you know, back eight months ago, it, sure enough, uh, a heck of a lot more people are going to be dying from the response of the government than from the virus. So let's just look at this. Now, I did this slide uh, uh, about a week and a half ago, so the numbers are a little off, but they're still pretty darn close. And it says roughly 0.04% of the population maybe has died, not from COVID, but from um, COVID stimulating uh, some type of immune system response. And, and think of this, in, in the United Kingdom, they had a number of people that died that were over 80. They would have died this year anyway, like some of them had heart disease or chemotherapy or s some other comorbid condition. And uh, so the COVID-19 did not kill them, but it did contribute. So, you know, whether it actually causes these deaths or contributes to it, just like influenza, just like any other um, disease, these people were already sick. So let's look at this. Long-term health facilities. Now, every year, every year, 0.1% of the US population dies to infections acquired in long-term healthcare facilities. So about 380. So that means uh, nearly three times the amount of people die every year from hosp um, in, uh, acquired infections from long-term healthcare facilities. So, you know, let, let's go on. What crisis? Now you were told that one person is gonna infect um, two or three people. Then those through three people are going to infect two or three people. Then those are going to infect two or three people. Okay, now this assumes 100% uh, susceptible. Uh, so 100% of the people have to have the same immune system response. 
I, I know it's crazy, but it, because it's not based in science, it's totally based in fear. It has no basis in fact, where one person's going to infect three, three, those three infect nine, those nine infect 27, those 27 infect, it, it, you see how it's exponential. But that's not true. So how long is the infection? Because once you get sick, just like a common cold, typically has around a two-week incubation period, and you're sick for about a month or, or about a week based on your immune system response, and you have a 99.997% um, chance of recovering, but it's really based on your age and comorbid conditions. So, so what are the outcomes of an infection? If we have one infecting two, two infecting four, four infecting six, you know, if we have this exponential numbers, we need to ask certain questions because the quality of your life depends on the quality of questions. Um, what percentage of people that get infected die? Okay, is that percentage of people that get infected and die, do they have comorbid conditions? Are they in a certain age group? Is there some age groups that, that aren't um, at risk? What percentage of people that get it recovered? What percentage of people that get it are maimed? Um, does it give you any benefits from getting this infection? So all of these intelligent questions have to be asked. Well, we have a great Petri dish um, that happened at the beginning of the year. And imagine this, 3,711 people locked aboard a ship, uh, the Diamond Princess cruise ship. And, and this was a perfect, perfect um, incubator because these people were locked in there. They're breathing the same air, recirculating air. They're eating the same food. They're socializing for weeks. And then um, they get shut down into quarantine. So now we got a great, uh, a great petri dish. Now, out of 3,700 people on board, 712 had been affect affected. Now that's around 19, 20%. And it's interesting because we're going to talk about herd immunity, but it seems like when you get around 20%, that um, the the disease limits its progression. So that whole one person gives it to three people, three people give it to um, nine people, nine people give it to 27 people. You know, you know that exponential thing um, is not true because once it goes through the susceptible, susceptible population, susceptible, when I say that, that means you've got to have a weakened immune system. Okay, then once it goes through the susceptibles, um, people that do have a healthy immune system response can develop permanent immunity. Fantastic. That's just how our immune systems have been designed to work over thousands of millennia. So when we do the breakdown, on this ship, there were 216 people between 80 and 90, 89 years old. There were 1,000 people between 70 and 79 years old. Okay, so think of that. You got around 1,200 people between 70 and 90 years old. Very, very, um, you know, uh, senior population. Okay, you could say long in the tooth. Uh, however, when you're looking at this, you had only one person out of 216 people die, okay, in the 80 to 89 group, and you had six people in the 70 to 79 group out of 1,000 people. Um, so, so this is totally different. Because you had patients that ranged from, you know, zero to nine. There were 16 people under nine years old on this ship. There were 23 people under 20. 
there were, um, let me see, three, seven, there were over a thousand people that were 49 years old at 20, and there were around um, 1,200 people between uh, 69, 50 and 69 years old. And none of these people, none of these people died. Uh, so what what happened? What's, what's the ratio? Why, why did, um, since we knew that the ones that died had a comorbid condition, they had to have a comorbid condition. And what, what that means is that there had to be something else going on. And sure enough, when we look at this, we're looking at cardiovascular disease, diabetes, respiratory disease, high blood pressure, and cancer. That was 99.1% of all of the people that died, 99.1%. So pretty much you have to be over 70 and you have to have a comorbid condition for you to die. Or you can have medical interventions like um, ventilators, which kill about 90% of the people that are put on them. So, you know, the medical interventions, people, uh, doctors have gotten more and more educated. They found out that ventilators is not really good, that it's more of a hypoxic situation, um, that the body's response to this virus. So let's look at herd immunity. And this is, was a great article, June 25th, 2020 talking about herd immunity. And you're going to hear this over and over again. And it's interesting because, here, listen to this. The resistance of, of the herd at any given moment would be determined by the frequency of the distributions within it of varying orders of susceptibility. Wow, so we get that susceptibility. That means it doesn't infect everybody. You have to have a comorbid condition. So cool. Using that Petri dish of the Diamond Princess that we've known for about eight months, we already know the population that's vulnerable and the population that is not vulnerable. And we know the death rates of the vulnerable population, and we also know the comorbid conditions. Okay, now here is an article uh, out of the Conservative Review called COVID-19, Herd Immunity Without Vaccination, Teaching Modern Vaccine Dogma Old Tricks. Okay, listen, listen to this. This was out of a 1927 paper talking about herd immunity. Limited to the case in which all members of a community are initially equally susceptible to a disease, an assumption still used by vaccine-driven disease eradication or near eradication modeling. The immunity may be acquired latently without illness and even, if not always enough to prevent symptomatic infection, may be such that severe or fatality are decreased. So those people that are exposed actually do develop it. Now, this article goes on to state where they're looking at people that have had this um, or people that have been exposed or people that were exposed years ago. I know it's supposed to be a novel virus, except we've known about SARS-CoV-1 since 2003. So these viruses mutate. That's why you have to have a new flu shot every year because flu viruses mutate. All of these viruses mutate every year So because that's how they adapt. When you look at how a virus actually works, it has to use host DNA or RNA, depending on the virus, RNA or DNA virus, in order to replicate. So it has to get into a person with a weakened immune system. It has to replicate. 
and that person's immune system has to get rid of it. So it has to infect another susceptible person. Well, what they found was the presence of non-COVID human coronavirus antibodies is around 15 to 30% of all seasonal common colds, uh, which, which doesn't have, has seer, severe effect, has the, the current COVID-19. Now, what they did, they went in and looked at U.S. blood donors years back, and they detected between approximately 40 to 60% of SARS-CoV-2 unexposed healthy U.S. blood donors. That's right. So these people had uh, T-cell um, response or immune system response to this before this came in play. So that means that our number of population, about half of them, aren't even at risk um, because they've already had some exposure. And uh, so, and I, I love what the investigators concluded. Epidemiologic data relying on only the detection of SARS-CoV-2 antibodies may lead to a substantial underestimation of the prior exposure to the virus. Turns out exposure to a virus is a good thing. Um, and, and I love this. They had a great discussion in this article. Again, the title of the article is COVID-19, Herd Immunity Without Vaccination, Teaching Modern Vaccine Dogma Old Tricks. And uh, they had an, a review of an article from the Wall Street Journal where Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Francis Collins were interviewed by this Wall Street Journal. And um, Dr. Fauci, of course, is super, super excited about getting a vaccine, that that's the only way to get back to normal. Of course, this is parroted by a number of different uh, government agencies because they want to get everybody on the vaccine bandwagon. Uh, this way there's no choice and it's a good market. So if you're supporting an industry that has no liability, no liability on this, on this vaccine, and forced compliance, you're talking trillions and trillions of dollars. So the, the people that are bat, bending their knees towards the vaccine company are doing it um, so they can get reelected and get a shitload of money. Um, here's the discussion, and I like this. Uh, <laughs> um, quote, it would not be particularly encouraging if we have a vaccine that's capable of protecting 20-year-olds who probably have a pretty low risk of getting sick and doesn't work at all for people over 65, the Oxford University researcher um, Regius, professor of medicine, Sir John Bell, laminated that COVID cases are rapidly dwindling in the UK. You wouldn't start trials in London now for sure. Um, because scientists might have to chase the virus around the nation to get the vaccine trial successful. In quote, vaccine enthusiast Fauci was more, um, uh, and the more sober Bell, each conveniently ignored unsuccessful vaccine experiences with other coronavirus vaccines over the past two decades. Um, now, <laughs> let, let's think about this. Okay, if we know from the original Petri dish, the Diamond Princess, that um, if you're under 40, you virtually have no risk. If you're under 50, you have virtually no risk uh, of disease. If you're under 70, you have virtually no risk. Okay, if you have no comorbid conditions, 
you have a 99.1% chance of survival if you're over 70. So, so they, they know the, the, the thing. So if you're going to force a vaccine on children who are not at risk, on young adults and adults who are not at risk, who don't have comorbid conditions, then they will receive no benefit from the vaccine, and they can only be, you know, part of the experiment. So that just doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? So let's look at, at what's really happening. Well, right now we know the UN um, warns that economic downturn could kill hundreds of thousands of children this year. We're looking at the shutdown of schools. Uh, nearly half a million children in America are going hungry because they depend on the f- lunch programs. Uh, so this is insane. We're taking a population that wasn't even at risk of this disease, shutting down the entire economy, and now, sure enough, um, they're in deep trouble. And the world body, they said 369 million children across 143 countries rely on school meals. And again, this population, are they at risk? No. Now, what's really going on when we look at the health of our population our children are sick, not from this virus, but 54% of our children from 2011 on have at least one chronic health condition. 70% of our children aged 17 to 24 are not fit enough to serve in the U.S. military. That's right, our population is sick. So what kind of things can you do that, that strengthen your immune system? Because what kind of things can do can weaken your immune system. So if we understand those two things, then you're going to be okay. You're going to thrive in this environment. Now, the things that weaken your immune system are chronic stress, like physical, chemical, emotional stress. Medications weaken your immune system. Nutrient deficiencies, sedentary lifestyle, lack of sleep. All of these negatively affect your immune system response. And the th- so obviously... If you were trying to keep a population healthy, you would have them look at their physical, chemical, and emotional stress. You would have them exercise, get out in the sunlight. Uh, You would find medications, um, the reason for the medications supplied, and correct the problem, not just give them more medications. Look at nutrient deficiencies. Since we know seniors are notorious for having uh, nutrient deficiencies, now's the time to give them sufficiencies like mineral supplements, vitamins, bioflavonoids, phytonutrients. Um, Induce an active lifestyle, induce exercise, and show them how to sleep. I mean, that just makes sense. So really, when we're looking at the difference between the psychosis that the media is trying to present in actual facts that your your thousands and thousands of generations have been on the planet before you you have eons of relatives in your body keeping you alive on this planet so do germs cause a disease or is a disease a response of your immune system uh virchow okay and this is probably the father of the germ theory If I could live my life over again, I would devote it to proving that germs seek their natural habitat, disease tissue, rather than being the cause of the disease. Wait a second. Wait a second. Think of that. Think of that. 
so does that mean one person infects three people and three people infect six and six infect nine, and then it goes on and on and on? Or, or let me read what Verchown had to say. If I could live my life over again, I would devote it to proving that germs seek their natural habitat, diseased tissue, rather than being the cause of the disease. Just looking at this per- disease that were, um, that's popular in the media, uh, is it affecting young, healthy people? No. It's affecting old people with comorbid conditions. So let's look at the difference between um, Beauchamp, who, who believes it's the terrain, and Pasteur, who believed that it is the germ. Well, when we go through different germs, different viruses, and I've got an article here that was interesting, um, because the death rates, let's just look at measles, okay, from 1900 to 1960. Okay, so this, this is going to be a, a long, long, you know, we're, we're talking 60 years of data. Well, it turns out that from 1900 to 1920, uh, before, before any um, vaccine was available, vaccine wasn't available until 1963, you had a death rate of 0.00012%. That means 99.9998% will not die if you catch measles. I know, I know, uh, deadly. So what is a virus? Let's look at this. Well, a virus lacks its ability to reproduce on its own. A virus needs a host duplicating equipment, like using enzymes, using uh, RNA or DNA. And according to Fabio Romero, and this is the Institute of Human Virology, quote, it's not a living organism, it's a well-organized molecular parasite. That means a virus has to utilize your RNA or DNA to reproduce. Now, 45% of your genetic information in your DNA is viral. Your double-stranded DNA is a little virus hotel in there. And, and it's interesting because viruses are responsible for two critical, important functions in nature, variation and adaptation. It's the virus behind of much of what we term evolution. So many viruses can change in response to alterations in their environment, sort of like a chameleon. That's why they adapt, they change, they mutate. And this is how we communicate with our environment. Now, viruses are vital for our ecosystem. They're an integral part of the human body. In fact, you have 70 trillion cells. You've got four times that amount of bacteria, and you've got four times the bacteria of viruses. You are a symbiote. You need, you need viruses, bacteria, funguses. You need all this stuff to survive. And in fact, when we look at, at places like hospitals and long-term care facilities where they continually kill viruses, they do antimicrobials, they're washing it down constantly. What does that do? That leaves only superbugs. And that's not an environment conducive to healthy humans. This is why hospital-acquired infections are killing over 100,000 people. But if you're looking at acquired infections from long-term facilities, that's almost 400,000 people a year are dying from the clean environment. Now, viruses, um, they, they are able to move genetic information between different hosts. 
Um, and this is according to Andrew Holmes, a microbiologist from the University of Sydney. Um, we still do not fully understand how this influences and continues to influence the evolution of new species. That's right. And he goes on to say, vigilance is important, but panic is unwarranted. Now, Theobald Smith developed this um, germ theory equation, and that's what I like. Now, Theobald Smith, I mean, brilliant guy, pioneer, 1859 to 1834. Just, I mean, I would love to meet this guy. Uh, if, depending on if our energy lives on afterwards, I'd love to meet him in a different plane of existence. <laughs> I'm the guy, the guy, brilliant. Now, he worked up this equation, virulence of pathogens times the number of pathogens times the opening size divided by the resistance of host. So he understood that it was the immune system that was the big deal. And even the Lancet wrote a title of the article, Limitations of the Germ Theory. The germ theory has become dogma, but it neglects the many other factors that have to play a part in deciding host-germ-environment complex. Um, sure enough, and we could use that, use that information, that, that Lancet article, to say, wow, that makes sense, because when we're looking at the Diamond Princess, people that were sick, that had weakened immune system, um, got infected, and their body wasn't able to mount a response, and they died. So it wasn't everybody that died or everybody that got infected. Viruses seek the disease tissue. Again, Virchow, if I could live my life over again, I would divert, devote it to proving that germs seek their natural habitat, diseased tissue, rather than being cause of the disease. Great article out of the International Journal of Vaccine and Vaccination. And title of the article is Who Had Their Finger on the Magic of Life? Antoine Beauchamp or Louis Pasteur? <clears throat> So it is with Beauchamp, we had prof the profound voice of his science had not been, had the profound voice of his science not been silenced, much of humankind may have been spared the worst aspects of infectious and vital stresses of the 20th century. At least we would have understood much more clearly why we have them. Fortunately, Beauchamp's work has been kept alive by a small successive band of truth seekers. Brilliant. I mean, think of this, because this is what we're we're coming up to. We're coming up to a break from the ignorant, um, supposedly science method. Okay, and this is basically science with an agenda, not science to see how things work. See, science with an agenda is going to approve a vaccine to protect the entire population without looking at reality. What is the risk? What is the benefit? Is there long-term studies? Now, if you rush an un, um, a vaccine with no liability that's going to be forced on the planet, and now they're even saying it's not going to be one vaccine, it may be a series of vaccines, and heck, just to make sure, we're going to put a chip inside of you to make sure you got the vaccine, um, you should start to think, what's the risk of the disease? What's the risk of the vaccine? You know, and should be able to choose that, don't you think? Because science has to pass two stages. Theory. Okay, so let's take the theory of vaccines. You inject antigens, viruses, pathogens, adjuvants, preservatives, stabilizers inside of a human body. 
the theory of the effect on the body, it's going to create antibodies that prepare your immune system to mount a defense so you don't get sick. Now, that's the theory of vaccines. Now, obs vaccine observation should include uh, the effectiveness of the product. Okay, and I'm talking consumer reports, real-world data, not just laboratory data, because when you get this out there and you inject a couple of mice, mice or you inject a couple of monkeys, that's going to be totally different than if you're injecting every man, woman, child, pregnant woman, person with um, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, everything. So you have to look at every aspect of this, and then there has to be choice for sure. Now, so what can you do to strengthen your immune system? Well, look at how your body responds to an infection. You get a fever. Why? Because viruses and funguses die at a higher temperature. And also, if your fever goes to, say, 104, your immune system is 64 times faster than it, at normal temperature. You have increased mucus production. Fantastic. The immune system literally starts to produce cells to keep the virus or bacteria in check, all the while developing a humoral and cellular response. Then you cough, sneeze, get diarrhea, and then your body restores and rebuilds it. Um, so look to how your body responds to this. Uh, and we're going to cover a lot of this tonight. But you basically have a choice. Right now you have a choice, and for the rest of your life you're going to have a choice, even though you may be arrested for um, saying that you do have a choice. You can choose vitalism, that your body is designed to live on this world, that you are, are more energy than matter. Or you can live like you're a machine, that, that only the doctor has authority over you and the government has authority to force you to do anything. Are you an energetic being that's designed to live on here that's preceded by a thousand generations? Are you um, more, more life, more energy than matter? Or are you a random chance? Are you just an animal living on the planet that only through modern science can you be saved? You choose. All of this is going to be put on our, our channel tonight. It's going to be live on Facebook, and then in a week it will be placed on YouTube as long as our channel is open. It will also be placed on Extreme Health Academy and, <laughs> and on BitChute until the censorship wipes everybody out so you will only get government information. This is Dr. John Bergman talking to you from um, the third rock from the sun. Um, we do have barbed wire around it, so if you want to visit, you'll have to go through security. God bless you. I love you. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.